morning. A preacher on a Sunday once felt very compelled to pray for people with special needs. So he, um, at the service, he said, anyone with special needs, please come to the front. We'd love to pray for you. And Peter, one of the congregation members, came to be prayed for. And um, preacher said, Peter, how can we pray for you today? He said, I love you to pray for my hearing. So, Peter's, uh, so the preacher stuffed his fingers into Peter's ears and started praying passionately for Peter's hearing. And the congregation all joined in and prayed passionately for Peter's hearing. And when he finished praying, um, as all good preachers should do, he said, Peter, how are you feeling? How is your hearing? And Peter said, I don't know. My hearing is actually next Thursday in the magistrate court. <laughs> I love you, Pastor Ollie. <laughs> it's great when you tell a joke and people laugh. I'd like to pray for our hearing today. <laughs> our, our hearing. Do you know, in Jesus' ministry, he often said, those who have ears, let them hear. And the reason is because often Jesus would preach to a big crowd of people, but not everyone would get it. And I think it's so important that when we come to church on Sunday, that we come ready to hear. In that way, no matter what the message is, when you are that hungry, God speaks to you. So, and that's my prayer for you today. Shall I pray? God, I want to thank you um, for your love for us, God. Um, thank you that we were able to celebrate communion earlier and such a great reminder that Jesus, you were on there on the cross for our sins. You did not commit the sins, and we just love you so much. So God, as we come this morning, I pray that our, our ears, our hearts are so open, so hungry, so ready. Lord, we have ears. Help us hear, Lord God. Help us hear what you want to speak to each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Steve talked about... Um, Jesus' other name being Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus is God. And when Jesus was born on earth, God came to be with us. Today, I want to talk about God for us. So who is God with and who is God for? I want to read from this passage in Luke. That night the night when Jesus was born, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The Jews... God's people had been living under political oppression for a long time. And for hundreds of years, they had been waiting for their promised king, the Messiah, to come and save them. And here, he is finally born. He is here. That's what the angel said. He's finally here. But God loves not just the Jews, but everyone. He created us all in his image to be in relationship with him and with each other, and we are to be a representation of God, to reflect him. 
But we chose to do our own thing. We chose to go our own way, and we say, not your will, but mine be done. We sinned. And that sin separated us from God. When Jesus came, he didn't do what the Jews expected. Instead of forming an army and overthrowing the Roman rule, Jesus hung out with sinners, taught them about the kingdom of God, healed the sick, cast out demons, he touched lepers, he wept with the grieving, he esteemed women, and he welcomed children. Eventually, he died on the cross, carrying all our sins, and rose again three days later. By doing this, he delivered not just the Jews, but he delivered all of us from sin, bringing us back into God's kingdom. So Christmas is good news for all people because if we accept Jesus as God and what he has done for us, our sins are forgiven. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, a kingdom of love, of joy, of peace, of beauty, of uh, righteousness, and everything, everything good that lasts forever and ever. Quoting John Parsons, from, uh, who preached that I'm done last Sunday. The Jews expected, well, God's people expected the Messiah to come to restore their kingdom. But the Messiah came to restore his kingdom. So Christmas is God coming for all of us, all of us. We are all invited into his kingdom, and this is clearly seen, seen in the Christmas story. As I was preparing for this message, I was praying and asking God what he wants to say to us. And I just sensed that um, I wanted to look at Scripture and see the people within the Christmas story and who are these people? Who is God for? And three groups of people stood out to me. The first group, the shepherds. Um, during Jesus' time, shepherding was a despised occupation. They were said to be of the lower class, they were unreliable, and the Pharisees, who were the teachers of the law at the time, blatantly labeled them as sinners. I would love you to sense their emotion as I read this passage again, a little bit more expanded, the night when God spoke to them, all right? So, smell the smells, see the sights, and feel the... Very good, Wayne. Wayne was just bang. Very good. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. It was dark. It was a little bit smelly. And it was generally quiet other than the occasional bad. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Pretty freaky, right? Imagine being in the dark minding your own business, and suddenly a supernatural being appeared before you. Um, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Rightly so. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I love it when you're scared and people tell you not to be scared. Generally doesn't work, but the angels try it anyway. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes. That Messiah, 
that you've been waiting for for hundreds of years? Yeah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, of, of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined with a vast host of others, more angels, the armies of heaven praising God, saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with uh, whom God is pleased. I just imagine the size of the eyes of the shepherds. They must have, I'm Asian, I cannot really open my eyes very big. So I just, I just imagine, like they would be Middle Eastern, so their eyes would be pretty big. So I just imagine that their eyes would be big, their hearts would be palpitating, and they'd be shaking a little bit and going, ooh, what on earth has just happened? When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Whoa, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You can sense their excitement because it says they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, which was about 5.5 miles away. And there was the baby lying in the manger, the baby Jesus, who was God. Jesus was with them, Emmanuel, God with the shepherds. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Could you sense their terror? Um, could you sense their excitement when they were going to go find this baby, and the astonishment when they finally do find this baby, and the joy and the hope. They have been waiting for hundreds of years, the hope. And I imagine they will be thinking, God is real. He chose us to, I mean, we, we, you know, the lower rung of society, and why would he choose to talk to us? I'd like to call the shepherds the underdogs. We all love an underdog story, don't we? Now, think of all the team sports movies you have watched. Be it basketball or soccer or cheerleading. Um, just, just think, okay? That is a team sport, right? Um, they, it, it always starts with a, with a, with a team that sucked and then, um, then came a coach that was inspired and then he said, We'll do this. We'll, get, we'll train. And then, the, then they start training. In the beginning of the training, they're horrible. And then a music collage comes in where they're training and they get better and better and better. And at the end of the music collage, they start to enter into, you know, the uh, semi heats and semifinals. And then they win and win and win and win. And then they get to the finals. What happens? They always lose to begin with, right? They always lose to begin with. And then they win. And, and it's so predictable. And yet we watch them every time as if we didn't know what was going to happen. I think it's because we love an underdog story, don't we? Uh, um, I would love to see a show of hands of any Survivor fans in the room. Oh, more than I expected. So um, Tim and myself and my son, our son, we are crazy Survivor fans. And every season I would look for the underdog, not, not 
intentionally, but I always root for the underdog. And my favorite underdog who won is Cochrane. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I just was thinking about this. Why do we love an underdog story? Why do I particularly love an underdog story? I think perhaps it's because I was an underdog myself. I was a rebellious teenager. I did lots and lots of stupid stuff, which earned me a horrible reputation. I disappointed and hurt my family deeply. I was so broken inside, and I was getting more and more broken the older I got with the stupid stuff I was doing. People looked down on me and wrote me off, teachers, friends, relatives, and even those closest to me. But God was for me. When I was 15, he started to get my attention through different things, and he started to stir up a real curiosity and a hunger in my heart for him. And at the age of 17, I had an angel singing in the sky moment. Did you notice that in the passage that they didn't say that the angels were singing in the sky? Said that the angel appeared among them. Anyway, so I had an angel singing in the sky moment, and it all became clear. I understood my condition, and I understood what Jesus did for me, and that day I gave my life, that night I gave my life to Jesus. And, you know, um, and my life has never been the same. And even in the first few years of being a Christian, I continued to be written off for being too flighty, too unstable, too loud, too passionate. Um, uh, but God continued to be for me. He continued to work in my heart and transform me. God is for the underdogs. If you're an underdog, I want you to know that God is for you. If you're not an underdog, may I ask who are some people around you that you are writing off, that you might need to stop writing off? Because if we're not dead, God's not done. Yeah, I, I, I would like to say that that's from me, but it's actually a lyric from a song, very good song. <laughs> All right, so firstly, we had the shepherds, the underdogs. God was for, God is for the underdogs. Secondly, we have the wise men from the east. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, about, uh, sorry, during the reign of King Herod, punctuation. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Um, fast forward to verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They were there with Jesus. Jesus is God. Emmanuel, God was with the wise men. Then they opened their treasure chest and... Um, gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There have been lots of speculation and theories about who these wise men were, where they came from, and how many of them. How many wise men were there? It didn't actually say that it was three. It could be three. It could be five. It could be 15. Who knows? But 
The Bible did not say it was three. Now, I know some of your minds are a bit blown. It's okay. It's okay. The Bible is still true. You are still okay, all right? But what we can tell is that they were smart because they were called the wise men, and they were rich because they brought expensive gifts, okay? I'd like to call them the winners, those who have it together. God spoke to these wise men, led them, gave them direction and purpose, led them to the one they should worship. And when they found Jesus, they worshipped him. They, they found the object of their worship. And they were filled with joy, the winners. In our context, I would like to categorize them as good people with not many problems and generally don't have a need for God. My husband and I were just discussing about this, and he said, we have a lot of people like this here who, you know, life is okay, and it's fine. I'm, I don't really see a need for God, and especially when they hear testimonies like mine, they're like, well, I've never been a drug addict, neither have I. I've never been a drug addict, or I've never been to prison. I don't need God. I don't need to be born again and find Jesus and all of that. Um, the winners find often testimonies like mine a little bit hard to relate. But I want to say God is also for the winners. My husband, Tim, he's a winner, not just because he married an awesome wife, but he is a winner. He was born a winner. So Tim grew up in a comfortable, loving home with loving parents. He was such a good boy at school and at home, everywhere. He was a very good boy. He won awards at school. He, um, I'm very proud of this, but he won the national award for titration. He, was, uh, he won the second prize in the whole of Australia. One person laughed, so one person knew what titration is. <laughs> uh, don't Google, I'll just tell you, okay? All right. Titration is this very exciting activity where you measure chemical drop by drop until you get the exact, I don't know, measurement of chemicals. Anyway, it takes a very patient person to win, and he won second in the whole of Australia. <laughs> um, he was also a Boy Scout, and he was uh, in his sewing class, he was so good in his sewing class that when he quit sewing class, his sewing class teacher quit teaching. <laughs> I would love that teacher to know that God is for him too, <laughs> maybe one day. And Tim never did horrible stuff like me, so he really did not have a big need for God. He was fine, you know, he, he was okay. Until at uni, one of his friends, Simon, decided to evangelize him, decided to share the gospel with him, except Simon had a very interesting technique. He would corner Tim wherever Tim went, so Tim would be like running away from him, and he would literally corner him, find a corner and corner him, and he would always ask him, have you been to church? Have you been to church? Have... Eventually, Tim got so sick of it that he said, what about this? I'll come to your church. Simon said, okay. So Tim went to Simon's church, and this was before he was even a Christian. He read through the whole Bible cover to cover twice. <sighs> He's such a good boy. And, he, um, and then 
after having been to church for a while, one Sunday, it was, um, because it was a Pentecostal church, there was someone giving words of prophecy out the front, and the person said, whoever wants a word of prophecy, come to the front, and everybody went except Tim. <laughs> he was the only person sitting out the back. And then he started to think, I really should make a decision about this. Is God real? Is all of this true? So he had this big intellectual discussion in his head. And then he, because he was very smart like the wise men, so he was having all this discussion in his head. And in the end, he decided, look, if it is not real, I should just stop all of these. I should stop coming. I should, you know, I should stop the charade. But that day, he made an intellectual decision that it's true. It's true. So he gave his life to Jesus. Two months later, he went on a mission trip to Thailand. Again, a purely intellectual decision. And, to, and um, that started his journey as a missionary and being in ministry. Since then, he has been to 26 countries doing ministry for God, married an awesome wife, and adopted three children, seeing God do amazing things. Though his life was quite wonderful to start with, he now realized that it lacked purpose, it lacked um, direction, and there was no eternity in it. Tim now has a direction, a purpose, an eternal hope, and he now brings his worship to Jesus. And he is living that full life that Jesus came to give. So God is for the winners too. You don't need to be an underdog, and you don't need a big transformation story. God is for you too. Lastly, we have Simeon and Anna. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. When Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms. Who is this child? Jesus, Jesus is God, Emmanuel, God was with Simeon, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Anna, a prophet who was also there in the temple, she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and praying. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. I'd like to call Simeon and Anna the faithful. They were faithful to the Lord. They have been following God, and God had put longings in their hearts. And God had put promises in their hearts. And when Jesus came, their spiritual longing was fulfilled. They saw the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Many of you here are devout and faithful. You've been following Jesus perhaps for a long time, and you too have spiritual hunger. You have things that you've been praying for for a long, long time. It could be the salvation 
of those that you love, it could be healing, physical healing, emotional healing. It could be reconciliation of broken relationships. It could be that you see Christians among you bickering, around you bickering, and it breaks your heart, and you pray for unity of Christians and the church, uh, of the church of God. And it could be that what Cam was talking about, you, 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 your heart bleeds for the injustice that happens around the world. And, um, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray. Like Simeon and Anna, you pray, and you wait, and you work, and you do what you need to do. And I want to say to you this morning that God is faithful, and God is for the faithful. God is for you. God is with you. Like Simeon and Anna, you are not forgotten. God is our promise keeper. Um, Emmanuel, God was with Simeon and Anna, and God is with you. So how wide is God? Sorry, I missed out punchlines again. Let's read the next passage. I do this quite often these days. Um, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. So how wide is God's love? It reaches everybody. That's how wide it is. The angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So the Messiah is not only for the Jews, but for the underdogs, the winners, the faithful, and everybody. The Christmas story at its heart is all about good news. And everybody wins with this good news. The Messiah is here to save us all. I'd like to make two calls today. One is for those who are not yet in relationship with Jesus. You might be watching online and you could be here, or you could be sneakily checking us out online. We're, we're not bad. We just drop water bottles everywhere. Okay, all right. Um, I just want to say that Jesus has come and done it all for us. We've been talking about this throughout the service, how he died on the cross for us. He has saved us all. All we need to do, all we need to do is to believe that Jesus is God and believe what he's done on the cross for us. That's all we need to do. So if you're ready to make that decision in a little while, I'll lead you in a prayer. And there is another big call, a call to stay faithful to the Lord. For those of you who are our Simeons and our Annas, don't give up. Stay faithful to the Lord. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It says in um, Philippians that it is God who put in you the desire and the will to do what pleases him. Those desires didn't come from you. They came from God. Those things you are praying for, that you are seeking for, those spiritual hunger. He is our way maker, another great song. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. How do we keep hanging on? I want to encourage you to remember how he has been faithful in the past. When you are discouraged, when you've been waiting in the temple like Anna for a long, long, long time, think of how he's been faithful in the past because Jesus, is the, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. He who was faithful yesterday will continue to be faithful to you. And I want to encourage you to open your eyes to see what he is doing. 
because he is always working. He is always doing. Even if it is not in your situation, he's always working. So open your eyes. Watch what, where he is working and be encouraged. And even when we don't see it, he is still working, right? So be encouraged. Give God glory and persevere. You are not forgotten. God is for you. I'd like to pray for you. Let's just come before the Lord. And I, I just really feel that God wants to do something among us to, today. And um, the reason I know is because I usually write really long sermons. But today, the sermon was really short, like in the stuff I wrote. And I was like, God, but, but, but it's too short. <laughs> and um, God said, it's fine. I want to do something. Let's leave room and space for God to do some work. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and be among us and have your way. God, I want to pray for people right now, people who are not in a relationship with you yet, or those who have walked away from you, Jesus. God, their hearts have been stirring through the whole service. I know, God, you've been working in their hearts. And even right now, their hearts are stirring. And for some, it's not the heart, but it's the mind that's stirring. God, I just pray right now, you will just bring them back into your kingdom. If that's you, would you echo um, me as I pray? A very simple prayer of saying thank you um, to God for loving us and sending Jesus and to saying sorry for our sins because it was really our sin that caused Jesus to have to come and die. And then we're going to say, please, we're going to say, please, God, come and live within me by your Holy Spirit so that I can live for God. So if that's you, would you just pray? Uh, echo me as I pray. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you for coming to earth to be with me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'm sorry for my sin that placed you on the cross. Please forgive me. Will you please come and fill my heart with your Holy Spirit so that I may live for you, so that I may say, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. Lord, I want to pray particularly for my brothers and sisters, for those who have such deep spiritual longing. We've been praying and waiting, and praying, and waiting. Holy Spirit, would you come today? Would you fill each heart with your encouragement? Would you speak in a way that only you can speak? God, I pray for those who are praying for the salvation of those we love. I pray that you will fill us with the assurance that you are faithful. God, that this desire for them to, be, to, to come into your kingdom is not of us, but is of you. That you love those around us more than we love them. 
and we know that you are working in them and in their lives. Help us to persevere. God, I pray for those with the call to um, stand up against injustice, against poverty, that God, you will fill them anew with the Holy Spirit, that you will encourage them with the message today that they're not forgotten, that you are with them and you are for them. God, I thank you that you are with all of us and you are for all of us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.